that questions. Why am I here? What is on earth? How did you make earth? Why do you have to make beans? Can you change some of the people's minds and how they act? Why is there bad in the world? If God can help my brother. No questions too big, no questions too small. continue our series on the big questions of life with a huge help from Tim Keller. And last week our question was this, why is this world so messed up? We talked about that. We found the reason it's messed up is because we're messed up. We're broken. Each and every one of us, even those who choose not to acknowledge it, we're all broken. And so this week's question is this, who can fix it? And to answer that question, we turn to a family, and not just any family, one particular family. It's two sisters and a brother. Well, their dead brother. It's about this. It's from John chapter 11. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Phil, can you do the slides of Clickers Brother again? Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection of life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she said, had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside the teacher is here, she said. He's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews had been with Mary at the house, comforting her, and noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here... My brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see it, Lord, he replied. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying. And this is the word of our Lord. Jesus is uh, doing his ministry in Galilee, and he receives word that his good friend Lazarus is sick. And instead of traveling immediately down to Bethany, which was close to Jerusalem, uh, a couple days' walk, he, he tarries and he lingers on purpose. 
And Lazarus dies. And Martha and Mary are extremely upset. And Jesus finally gets there. And they say those words to him, nearly the exact same phrase. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many of you have been in that place? Like, Lord, if you had stepped in, things would have been so much better. Lord, if you had jumped in, I'd be doing a whole lot better right now than I am today. Lord, if. When Jesus comforts us, he comforts us in two ways. Sometimes it's a word of truth that Jesus comforts us with. And Jesus says to Martha, I think the best phrase that's in all of Scripture, he says these words, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And the grammar there is very odd. At first glance, it does not make any sense at all. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. More properly, grammatically, he should have said something like, I've come to bring the resurrection. I've come to give life and bring the resurrection. Something like that. But he doesn't say that. So he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Think of something you're really good at. Something that you excel in. It's a gift, it's a talent that you're super, super good at. I like fantasy football. So this would be me like it'd be like me saying, I am fantasy football. I embody fantasy football so well, fantasy football is me. Right? I am. This is what Jesus says. He's saying he is the embodiment of life. I am the resurrection and the life. He is claiming to be God. And the claim is even sustained even more when he uses the phrase, I am. Because I am in Hebrew is translated as Yahweh, which is the Hebrew name for God. It's as if Jesus is saying to Martha, I'm God. Don't worry, I got this. Jesus comforts Martha with truth. And then he meets Mary. And Mary says nearly the exact same words to Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus asks to see the tomb. And they show him where Lazarus, his good friend, is buried. And he weeps. <clears throat> a good translation. They could have translated Jesus cried, which would have been an accurate translation, would have worked. But it wouldn't have conveyed the, the emphasis of the Greek word there. Jesus broke down and cried. He weeps. Which is an odd reaction for someone who had just said, I am the resurrection and the life like some superhero on the scene. I got this. And then moments later, he's weeping. And the reason is because Jesus is God in the flesh. And sometimes he comforts with his truth, 
and sometimes he comforts with his tears. Because God in the flesh can do that. Because Jesus has gone through everything that you will ever go through in your life. He's been betrayed. He's been homeless. He's been poor. He's been beaten and tortured, unjustly arrested, killed, murdered. Anything you ever go through in your life, Jesus has gone there for you. That's why the author of Hebrews has, we have a high priest who can sympathize with us. Jesus is God in the flesh. And sometimes he comforts with truth, and sometimes he comforts with his tears. He is truth itself come in tears. Which brings us back to our original question. The world is broken. We're broken. Who can fix us? And make no mistake, we are hungry for a Savior. I'm going to ask Phil to skip ahead. There's a slide of a picture that he can see on his screen. He's going to pull a picture up for us. There it is. We watched a Jets game last week. New York Jets play the Detroit Lions. Any Lions fans in here? Are you? We'll pray for you. It's okay. It's all right. So Sam Darnold is the new quarterback of the New York Jets. He is the youngest quarterback ever to start in the NFL. 21 years old. Four months ago, he was in college, and now he's playing for a professional football team. And he had, for a rookie quarterback, a really good game. And now, in New York, you know what they're calling him? The Savior. You can even get a shirt that says, Darnold can save us. You Google Darnold, Savior, multiple articles will pop up on your Google. I promise you. Which only says this, we are hungry for a savior. Everyone in this world hungers for someone to save, someone to redeem, someone to help. They're so hungry, they're praising the guy who's 21 years old with a human chin. He looks like a human chin, Sam Darnold. Attractive young man, 21 years old, he's the savior. He's played one professional game. We are hungry. For a savior. Politicians promise to save you. They're going to help you. And all you have to do is put your trust in them. And they're going to help you out. But they can't save you. Doctors work hard. And they study hard. To know about the human body. And health. And healing. But they can't save you. Jesus saves. Phil's going to jump back to that text we read before. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by the time, this time there's a bad odor, he's been in there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, 
Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. It's awesome. Jesus resurrects Lazarus from the dead and gives Lazarus the, the healing that he needs. It's fantastic. It's great news. Three cheers for Lazarus. Hip, hip. Three cheers for Jesus. And guess what happened years later? Lazarus died again. That's exactly right. He is the only person on his deathbed who ever uttered the phrase, not again. <laughs> See, the healing that Lazarus really needs is not the healing that Jesus gave him there because Lazarus goes and lives and dies again. But the healing that Lazarus really needed and the healing that you need and that I need is what Jesus did a week later when he puts himself in the tomb. Because a week later, Jesus goes to a cross. And on that cross, he is nailed. And he hangs there. He's forsaken by the Father. And on that cross, he takes your sin and my sin and dies for it. Because deep down, we all know that we're broken. And deep down, we know the harder we try to fix ourselves, the worse we get. Jesus has put himself into a grave. Jesus Christ lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. So that you might have his life now and forever. So you have a free gift of his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness now and always. So that your ultimate need is taken care of. And for some of you here, this is kind of new stuff. You've never heard this before. That the creator of the universe gave his life for you means that you have incredible value and incredible worth and it's not dependent on who you are or what you can do or what you've done, but simply because Jesus loves you. Freely. And when you see grace from anyone in this world, it's a beautiful thing. But when you receive grace from God in the flesh, it's the most beautiful thing ever. And for some of you, this is a new thing for you. And I hope you can receive that today. For some of you here, you, you've, you've heard this before, and this is not new to you. But it's good to talk about it again because we forget about it so often. We don't forget the part about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and rising from the grave and us life forever. You, you remember that part. But the part we forget is that Jesus is the, the only Savior. Because so many times in our lives, we have Jesus, and then we have our functional saviors. The ones we turn to at the expense of Jesus. Let me give you an example. I was meeting with a woman. This was in California 15 years ago. You don't know this person. Uh, I always give examples of people you'll, you'll never meet who are far, far away. And uh, she wanted to, to divorce her husband because she wasn't happy anymore. And so we talked a little bit. And they come to understand that her husband wasn't really doing anything wrong, per se. He had stopped pursuing her like he should have. 
And men, we do that sometimes, right? We, we, we snag our brides, and they're like, job done. Got one. And then we, we kind of slow down our pursuing. And he had done that, you know? So he, he was doing that. He wasn't doing anything bad. Everything he was not doing was, was fixable. But she wanted to leave him because she wasn't happy anymore, because she thought if he was the one, then she would be happy and she'd be content. And she had turned her husband into a functional savior. She had raised him up so high that of course he was going to fail because he can't possibly be responsible for her happiness and her peace and her contentment because that's Jesus' job. That's not his job. And so he failed. And of course, if you lift anyone up that high, they're always going to fail. They can never raise to reach that bar, that standard. She had a functional savior. We do it with our careers. We use our careers as functional saviors. And you know your career is your functional savior because when you succeed, it goes to your head. And when you fail, it goes to your heart. When that happens, you have a functional savior. Whenever you find your, your purpose and your meaning in something other than Jesus, then that's a God, and that's a functional savior. And so when things go poorly at work, it goes straight to your heart, and you're miserable. And when you succeed, it goes straight to your head, and everyone else around you is miserable. Because <laughs> you have a functional savior. And so Jesus said to Martha, he says to you today, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? The best words ever spoken, I believe. Jesus says to you, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? This is new to you. I'd love to pray with you that you might receive Jesus as the one who died on the cross for you, who redeemed you, who paid for your sin freely and totally and completely because he loves you. I'd like to pray with you. If you've heard this before and you're like, this is good stuff, you'd like to take that other time to say, take this time again, Lord, and, and confess those sins, those functional saviors. I'd like to pray with you too. So in, in some churches, they have a tradition of an altar call. And we don't typically have that tradition here. But we're going to today. And so I'd like to invite you to come up if you'd like to. And um, whether this is uh, new to you and you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you'd like to say, you know what, I'm going to take some time and just kind of put down some functional saviors I've been clinging to. And I need to stop clinging to them because I'm miserable or the people around me are miserable. <laughs> or I'm living in fear. I'm living in anxiety. I'm living in worry. Living in doubt because I'm clinging to functional saviors and they're just not working because, well, they always fail. 
So Matthew's going to play a little bit right now. I'd like to come on up. Uh, Laura's going to sing a little bit right now. And um, I'd like to come on up. Feel free to do so this time. Jesus, we ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. 